Lord, we just thank you for this moment that we could be in your presence. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that's about to go out. Lord, your word is truth, and we pray that our hearts would be open to receive it right now. Lord, speak through me, not my words, but your words, God. And may you remove any of my shortcomings and my, and my, um, and my foolishness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the title of my sermon today is Don't Be Surprised. So I don't know if you guys like surprises. I actually really like surprises. I like being surprised. I like surprise parties. Um, it's probably because, if you don't know me, I'm super gullible, and I believe almost anything. So it's, it's a good and bad thing. So I, I believe anything. So, I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm just really easy to surprise, so that's probably why I like it. So there's one time where, if you know my mom, when I grew up, um, She's very, she's very clean. Her house is very tidy all the time. So what that really means is that no one can come over because um, she doesn't want to clean before and after. You know what I'm saying? Like house has to look like spotless. So growing up, I never had a chance to invite any of my friends over to my house. I always had to go to their house. No one could ever come to our house. And so I remember one year, I don't remember, maybe my wife will remember. I don't remember how old I was when she threw me a surprise birthday party. But I was in my 20s and I didn't think anything of it. I remember my dad told me, hey, um, can you go to the store to pick up something? Uh, he was like getting, asked me to get groceries or something. I forgot. So they had told me that my mom was just going to cook me a special dinner at home and we'll just have family over. So she said, oh, I forgot something at the grocery store. Can you and Anna go and get it? So I ran over to the grocery store and got it. And I came back. It was really funny. Because um, <laughs> the funny thing was actually, I remember we got into an argument in the car because when we went to the store, we, I forgot what it was, but we couldn't find it at the grocery store. So I was getting so annoyed. And then I remember I told my dad, I called them. I was like, dad, they don't have it. I'm so mad. I'm not, like, I don't know where to go now. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just ruined the dinner. And my dad, obviously, because he knows it's a surprise. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> just calm down. He's like, don't worry about it. Just come home. So I remember I came home and I remember I opened my door and I couldn't open the front door fully. And then I, I walked in, right, and I looked around, and there's, like, heck of shoes on the floor, right? But I still didn't put it together. I was like, oh, that's so weird. So I just walked in. I just closed the door, and I was just walking in, walking in, walking in. Like, I literally didn't have any clue what was happening. And I remember there was actually somebody hiding. So, uh, so if you can imagine my house, there's a stairwell right here. So when I walked in and the front door opened this way, they were sitting like on the stairs looking right at me and I didn't even see them I just kept walking and walking and then like they started laughing actually because it was so bad that like I didn't notice anything and then they all jumped out and surprised me so that's how gullible I am so even when there's like 50 shoes on my house I wonder who put those shoes there my mom doesn't have that many shoes it must be my sisters so I'm just really easy to surprise and I really like that. Um, also, another funny story is that when I watch movies, like, I just like to be entertained. Like, I don't know anything about the story, but it's really funny because actually my wife, Anna, is really intuitive. So she always can figure out, like, what's going to happen at the end of the movie before it happens. But for me, I really don't know, even if it's really obvious. I'm just like, I, I like it. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this. Like, I don't know if there's a plot twist. Like, I don't know who the bad guy is. And Anna sometimes will lean over and she'll be like, that's totally the bad guy. And I'm like, what? I don't know that. And, I, and then she's always right. And I'm just like, you know what? When we watch movies, please don't tell me anything. I just want to be surprised. Like, I just want to be entertained, even though it's so obvious. So, um, yeah, I'm just really bad about that kind of stuff. So, you know what's funny? So, I want to share a story about my wife. So, my wife is, she likes, I think she likes surprises. But if she knows that it's coming, she doesn't want to wait. She just wants to have it. 
So surprising her is really hard because she's like an investigator. And oh man, I got to tell you the story where I tried to do her proposal. So I had to get all of our friends together because we have to meet and talk about it, right? So we gathered together at a cafe one time. And like, so I had to make up a reason. Like, why am I going out without her on a weeknight? So I was just like, oh, um, my friend so-and-so, um, he's going through a tough time. So I, I just really got to talk to him. I don't know why. He called me. So we went, right? And then so I'm gathered with like me, my best friend, and like her like three closest friends. And it's so funny because, you know, she's like, she probably wants to hang out because usually I hang out with her like on a Friday night, but I didn't. So she's looking for someone to hang out with. So literally as we're sitting at the table, huh? What, did I tell her wrong? Okay. So literally when we're sitting at the table, well, I mean, I want to make sure I'm telling the story right. But this is how I remember it. So literally we're sitting at the table. All of a sudden her best friend's phone rings and she's like, oh my God, it's Anna. And I'm like, She's like, what do I say? I'm like, I don't know. Like, say something. I don't know. I don't know what to say. And she's like, oh, hey, hey. And they're like, oh, I can't hang out right now. I'm so sorry. I'm busy. Then literally, she calls her next friend. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Anna's calling me, too. I'm like, what do I say? I'm like, I don't know. I'm the, bad, I'm the one that's bad at lying. Make up something. So literally, she called, like, everybody at the table. We all lied, obviously. And I remember, like, when I saw her the next day, she's like, yeah, it's so weird. Yesterday, everyone was busy. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, maybe it's, you know, a night that everybody goes out. I don't know. And then later on, she, like, talked to my, so remember I told you I said my best friend called me to talk to me? So she talked to his girlfriend. She's like, oh, yeah, is, is he okay? He, you know, uh, he had to go talk to Jeremy about something. And then she was like, what? He's fine. And she's like, oh, really? And then I was like, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, um, yeah, he must, yeah, he's going through something. So it's really, really, <laughs> it's really, really hard to surprise Anna. Oh, my God, I, I, I had so much anxiety trying to set up that proposal. Oh, my gosh, that was really hard. So I, I actually, I, we don't have time, but I would tell you the story of what actually happened that day, but we don't have time today. So, because <laughs> that was hard, too. So anyway, so we're talking about surprises. And sometimes I feel like as Christians, when we are in relationship with God, or we think about being in relationship with God, if you're not a Christian, which is totally fine, we're thankful you're here, is that, like, I wonder if we understand faith and being surprised. Because I think sometimes we think that if we have faith, then I'm never supposed to be surprised. Or if I have faith, nothing should surprise me. Or maybe, I don't know, or can those two things coexist? You know, are they opposites of each other? Are they contrary? You know, so it's kind of like, do we think that life's like Forrest Gump? You ever watch, guys watch Forrest Gump? He's like sitting on the bench and he's like, oh yeah, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get. So like, do we see faith like that? Like, oh God, you're the box of chocolates. So I know that you exist. But when I open it, I have no clue what's going to happen. Like, do we see faith like that? And I just wonder, do we feel like it's like that? Like it's like Forrest Gump. Like, oh, I'm walking this life with God, but I just really still don't know what's going to happen. Is that faith? Can doubt and faith exist together? These are some questions on my mind. And I feel like what God wants to talk about today is he wants to paint for you an accurate picture of what faith really is. Because I feel like a lot of times we misunderstand and so we emphasize the wrong things. Then we get discouraged because we feel like we don't have faith when we do or we think we have faith when we don't. Okay, so I want to speak into that place. You guys ready for that? 
All right. So let's begin with the super, super famous verse in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Everyone knows this verse, right, who grew up at church, right? It's the faith verse. Can we have that verse up, please? It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As a kid, when I grew up, when I heard that verse, my honest first reaction was, that's not very helpful at all. <laughs> it's really not. If you really think about it, I was like, that's a horrible, I didn't say that, but I was like, God, that's a really confusing definition. That's not really helpful at all for me. That didn't really tell me anything about faith. So I, I, I want to talk about what I feel like, how, two things that we really think when we read that, okay? So the first thing I think that some of us think is that since it is assurance of things hoped for, I need to know what's going to happen to me so I know what to hope for, right? So doesn't that make sense? Like, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So what that means to me is faith must mean that I know what's going to happen. Therefore, I have assurance that it will happen so I can hope in it. Does that make sense? You guys following my logic? So there's a second group of people that say, well, there's, it's impossible for me to know what's going to happen in the future, right? I'm not God. I'm not omniscient. So faith can't be that. So faith is... Faith has nothing to do with me knowing anything. And, I, and because I don't know what's going to happen, I can't really have assurance at all. So some people reject it altogether. So I feel like there's two groups of people. People who feel like faith is knowing everything and people who feel like it's impossible to know anything because I'm not God. Now I want you to know that the truth, I believe, is somewhere in between. Because I want to tell you, there are certain things that you can know, but there's certain things you cannot know. And that's not very helpful to you, right? I know. So let's get into it. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're just making that more confusing definition more confusing. All right, so let's get into it. Can we focus on two words today? Now, faith is the assurance of things. So I want us to focus on the word assurance and things. Now, assurance seems to be a very um, simple word, right? But I want to tell you, this is how most people read this verse. When we read this verse, it says, now faith is my assurance of things that will happen to me. Or faith is my assurance of things that will happen in the future, of a future outcome, of a future event, of a future result. I want you to know that's not what the verse says. The verse says very specifically, now faith is the assurance. The assurance. The assurance. What that tells me is that it's not subjective. What that tells me is that there is something that you can always rely upon. There, right? Faith is you recognizing that there is in assurance, that there is something that you can always rely upon. I want you to know something. We think that faith is how faithful we are. I want you to know today, faith is not how faithful you are. Faith is you recognizing how faithful God is. I'm going to say that one more time. What this verse is saying is your faith is not dependent upon how much you can believe, how much you understand, how much you are faithful to God. Real faith is you recognizing that he is always faithful. Does that make sense, guys? So let me tell you something. Even if no one believed in God, he would still be here. He's still true. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Even if no one believed in him and didn't have an ounce of faith, the assurance is still there because that assurance is based on who he is. Let me tell you something. Even if God spoke a word to you and told you what was going to happen, even if you didn't believe, I got news for you. It's still going to happen. Do you know why? Because God moves not because you're faithful. God moves because he is faithful. I don't think you're catching it. Can I get an amen? I'm going to say it one more time. I know worship was long, so I got to rile you up a little bit. 
because that word was really good and I and I did a little dance when I when I wrote it so I want to get a little more I want you to know that even if God told you this is going to happen and you don't believe him like you straight up are like nah let me tell you something your unbelief is not strong enough to stop his will he's going to do it whether you think so or not so that's not what faith is faith is you getting on board of what he's about to do he's going to do it or not the train's going to leave. The point is, faith is you recognizing that's going to happen no matter what. You are not strong enough to stop what he's about to do. So faith is never dependent on you. Faith is you recognizing who is always faithful. Okay, let me tell you something. Abraham, I love that mention. Abraham was 90 years old when he got the promise that he would have a child. Let me tell you something. He didn't really believe. Do you know why? Because Sarah, later on, brought her servant and said, God ain't going to make it happen. So we got to make it happen. So sleep with her and have a kid. Right? That's not faithfulness. If he really believed, he wouldn't have done that. So it's pretty clear he didn't believe. But guess what? God didn't say, oh, well, you know, Abraham, you screwed that up. So I'm going to take away my promise because you're not faithful. No. God sent another messenger and said a second time, hello, did you listen to what I said 10 years ago? You're 100 now. You didn't wait. Listen to me. It's going to happen. It's based on my faithfulness, not yours. Even if you screw this up a thousand times, my promise is still going to come through. God's will is never dependent on us. Let me tell you something, because if it was, man, it's, it's all going to, oh. Okay? So I want you to know something. Faith is never dependent upon you. You are just recognizing who is the one that is faithful. All right? Now, 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 I know you guys are thinking, oh, Jeremy, because you guys are, because you know the Bible. So this is how I see you guys. I want to see you in a really good light. So you're like, oh, Jeremy, but you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says you must believe and not doubt, and then you'll receive, right? If you pray this and do not doubt, then you'll receive. Oh, you are correct. Oh, I love you guys. You guys love the Bible. Let's go to that verse so we can talk about that. And Jesus answered them. It's in Matthew. Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, so, that, so I get what you're saying now, right? You will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So now you're saying, well, see, Jeremy, like how can I receive stuff if I, if I don't believe? Because you just told me that, but this verse clearly says that I have to believe. Okay. Now, hold on, hold on. I, can, I got you. I got you. Let's think about this. This is a picture of Jesus painting what great faith looks like. Great faith. Faith is on a gradient. Faith is not black and white. Faith is not you have it and you don't. I want you to know something. Faith can grow. Faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. A lot of times we feel like either you have it or you don't. You're either a Christian or you're not. You either have it or you don't. You either believe or you don't. You either, you either have it or you don't. Like doubt can't coexist. I'm here to tell you today, your doubt can coexist with faith. But it's not about that. It's about which one you choose to weigh and tap into every moment. Do you guys understand that? Let me tell you something. If, if Jesus, if his, if his standard was you have to believe fully and never doubt, none of us are entering the kingdom. Like to literally say, if you doubt even a shred, you're done. Well, oh man, well, then we're all done. Do you get what I'm saying? But Jesus is trying to show you the penultimate. He's trying to show you the perfect picture. So he's showing you, listen to what he said. If you, have, if you have faith and 
do not doubt. He's not saying faith is when you do not doubt. He says, if you have faith and do not doubt, then you will not only do what has done to his victory, but then something even greater. He's showing you how he is able to do what he does, how he is able to command this victory to do what he said. Does that make sense, guys? But it's not faith in general. He's saying this is what great faith looks like. So please don't get that mixed up. I'm here to break off chains today because I feel like some, someone in this room feels like, like your doubt is holding you back and you feel guilty about it. I feel like someone in this room feels like I have doubt and you feel guilty about it. Can I tell you right now, you don't have to feel guilty about your doubt. Can I tell you, can I tell you something? There was, a, there was a disciple named Doubting Thomas. He doubted, I mean, I mean, for crying out loud, they gave him the nickname. That's like horrible. That's like calling me like stinky feet Jeremy. Like, like you take someone's worst part of them and just slap it right before their name. Like that sucks. He's called Doubting Thomas. Let me tell you something. What did Jesus do for Doubting Thomas? Let me tell you something. Jesus came back for Doubting Thomas. Jesus didn't go, hey, well, you missed the boat when all the disciples were there. You were out doing something. I don't know what you were doing. You weren't with the group, so you screwed up. And then you didn't believe when they told you. You know what he did? He came back straight to him. And you know what he said? He looked him dead in the eye and he walked up to him and he said, put your hands in my hands. Put your hand in my side and believe. Why would he do that? That's love. I came here to tell someone today, if you have doubt, Jesus ain't scared of that. He came to the one who doubted and say, doubt no more. I'm here. There's nothing wrong with having doubt. Jesus wants to come and take that away. He's not here to judge you for it. He came to Thomas directly and said, I love you, my son. Don't doubt anymore. Come right here. See and touch and never doubt again. I want you to know, it's not that Thomas didn't have faith. He just didn't have enough. But that's okay. God's going to come and give you enough if you ask for it. All right? So I came here to tell you today that faith and doubt can coexist, but it's about the struggle and the fight. And as you continue to choose faith, your doubt will shrink. But it doesn't happen in one day. So let's move on to the second word I talked about. I said it's faith is the assurance of things. Assurance of things hoped for. What are these things? This is the tough part. You guys ready? Because you might not like what I'm going to say. This is the part we all want to know, right? What can I be sure of? What can I be sure of? What is God faithful in? What is God faithful for? What can I hope in? This is what we all care about. This is it. This is the part that you all want to hear, right? What can we hope for? What can we hope in? And so we think, again, a future outcome. We think, again, something that will happen to me. Security, comfort, a plan, so I know where to go. You guys ever hear this? I think something happens very dangerous among the Christian circle of people. We say things like this all the time. I know God's going to deliver me. You ever heard that one? I know God is going to save my family. I know God is going to, is going to heal me. I know he's going to protect me. I know he's going to bring my family to Christ. I know he's going to, he's going to take care of me. We hear, we hear people say this all the time. You guys hear that all the time? And I'm going to be very careful again. You know me, guys. Try not to be absolute. But I think a lot of times when we say things like that, especially if you're in a Christian circle long enough and you hear people talk very confidently all the time about stuff they know is going to happen, it creates a precedence in our minds that that's what faith looks like. I have to know 
what's going to happen? Because I look at these really godly Christian people and they seem to know everything. They seem to know what's going to happen. They seem to know what God's about to do. Can I tell you something? I'm not saying those people are wrong. But I want you to know that's not the rule. That's not how faith always operates. Faith doesn't always operate with you knowing exactly what's going to happen. In fact, I want to dare say that that's actually the exception. Because if you read the Bible long enough, you're going to know that actually God doesn't tell people what's going to happen that often. More often than not, he doesn't tell them anything. He tells them very little, actually. So I'm very cautious about saying that I know God's going to do something unless I really know. And can I say something? I think sometimes as Christians, we, we, we overstep our bounds. We overstep our bounds. I'm going to give you an example. I do this all the time. I'm talking about myself. When we pray, you ever pray the answer? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. So, you know, when, you know, so when I was like younger, right, in like, in like grade school or like middle school, and I had a crush on this girl, right? So I'm praying about, I'm praying about it, right? And I'm like, God, you know, I really like her. It's like, like fifth grade or something. Like, oh, she's really cute. You know, I want to ask her out. And I'd be like, try to be holy. Be like, oh, God, you know, uh, should I do it? Like, if I ask her out, is she going to say yes? And like, yeah, you know, I, I really want to do it, God. You know, so, so can you like let me know if I should or not? Because I really feel like I should. You know, God, I, I just really want to know if you're going to bless what I'm about to do. Oh, God, you know, I, I, I really like her. I really like her. So I just want to know if you're going to be with me. You see how that sometimes we pray the answer into it. That we're not actually asking God what he's about to do. Or we don't actually ask him what he wants to do. We already pray an answer into it. Now I'm going to get, this is really hard for me, okay? When it comes to healings, that's the same. I want to challenge you today. Can we pray with confidence in things that are 100% instead of things that we wish that will happen first, okay? I'm not saying asking for healing is bad. But when we pray with a posture and we declare a healing when we didn't hear it, I think that's dangerous. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? When you declare a healing that you didn't hear from God, that's so dangerous, you know, as a pastor, sometimes people come to me, right, and they tell me difficult things they're going through. The easy temptation for me is to tell them something really encouraging. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I heard that God was going to do this for you. You know, I just know God's going to do this for you. I got to tell you guys something. If I do that and I didn't hear God say that, honestly, that's blasphemy. <laughs> I just said that God's going to do something when he didn't say he was going to do it. I have to be careful how I encourage people. You know, I get pressured into a situation where I see someone lose a loved one or I see someone sick. And the first thing, it's easy, right, to say, yeah, you know what, I feel like God's going to heal them. You know what, maybe I shouldn't say that right away. Do you know what I'm saying? You guys get what I'm trying to say? Because if I didn't hear that, I'm giving that person false hope. Now they have an assurance in something that's not actually going to happen. I have to be careful what I say. I have to go to that person and say, you know what? I just want you to know the Lord's with you right now in this moment because I know that's true. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So those people sometimes, when they speak so confidently, I would dare say that sometimes we as Christians, we overstep our bounds because it sounds like the good thing to say. It sounds like the good thing to hope for. 
But guys, if God didn't say it, you can't say that you know he's going to do it. That's so dangerous for yourself too and for other people. We can't do that. We can't do that. So what is this things? What is this things then, Jeremy? What, what, can we be, what can we be sure in? What can we say? What can we put our hope in? Oh, you guys know me. You guys know what I'm going to say, right? If you heard my sermon last week. I'm here to tell you today that that's why you need to know the word of God. I'm telling you right now. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm here to tell you today that's why you need to know the word of God. Because when you know the word of God right now, that to me is the only thing that is for sure. It is the only thing that is certain. When you see it in his word, then you know it will happen. You, you know that's your promise. Then you know that's your inheritance and it will never be taken from you. But I'm sorry to say that within the Bible, it doesn't say that he's going to heal every person that's sick. I'm sorry. And that's a tough reality. You know, there are many people who died for the name of God. Why didn't he save them? It didn't say he would save everyone. It didn't say he would protect you from suffering. Actually, can I tell you the truth, guys? In Philippians, it says, it's not only called for you to be glorified with him, but to suffer for him. Guys, I, I just want you to have faith in the right things. Because sometimes when we want a happy ending, in our minds, it wasn't the ending that God intended. We have to hold on to actual truth. We have to hold on to real, actual truth. Okay? So can we go back to that Matthew verse? I know I'm going real deep. Don't, I don't want to lose you. Stay with me. Stay with me. He said, if you have faith and do not doubt, I stopped myself right away. I said this during shift last week, and I think San Francisco campus needs to hear this. That's why I brought this up. I stopped myself when I heard that. I said, if you have faith and do not doubt, my first question was, God, how, what, is it, how, what is there on this earth that is possible for me to not doubt? It says, if you have faith and do not doubt, I said, God, teach me how to do that. Teach me how to do that. How can I do that? How is that possible? You know what the Spirit of the Lord told me? He said, it's only with my word. Only my word is something that you can never doubt. Only my word is something you can never doubt. You can doubt your feelings. Come on, somebody. You can doubt your feelings. You can doubt your circumstances. You can doubt what people say. You can doubt how you feel. You can doubt what you see with your eyes. But God told me, the only way you become that person, the only way you become someone with great faith is that you know my word so well, that you know it, you believe it, because you know without a doubt that it will never fail you. That's how you not have doubt. It's, again, it's not about you. It's about his faithfulness. It's about knowing who he is and knowing his word. That's the only thing, guys. That's the only thing that, can, that you can hold on to that you can never doubt. There's nothing else on this earth that is that sure. I promise you that. I promise you that. Now I'm going to get into something really sensitive right now. We're a really prophetic church. Get something real sensitive right now. And I had to repeat it because last week I felt it was really important. So you guys need to hear this at San Francisco campus. Even a prophetic word that you receive from somebody, even if it's from me, I'm putting myself on the line right now. I'm fallible, guys. Don't you ever dare believe a word I say if you don't hear the Spirit of God convict you. 
I'm going to say it one more time. Don't you ever believe a word I say unless you hear the Spirit of God convict you. If you. Unless you read the word and it confirms what I said. Don't you ever believe a word I say. Even if I lay my hands on you and prophesy over you and say something really great about you and your family and about your future. Don't you ever believe a word I say unless it comes up in the word of God and it convicts you in your heart later on. Because I'm not God. I'm fallible. I pray in faith, guys. But you know what? You can doubt me. That's okay. But even if you get a prophetic word in this house, if it doesn't do two things for you, you throw it away. If it doesn't draw you back to the word of God deeper and confirm the word of God, and if it doesn't increase your love for him, you throw it away. That's what faith is. Faith is understanding what you can hope in 100% all the time, beyond what you think, beyond what you feel. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Please, this is what faith is. So let's get to an example. Let's wrap this up. I put the story at the end. So now you understand. So let me give you a picture so you can take it home and see it colored in. All right? This is the story of Elijah. I love Elijah. I love Elijah. He's my second favorite. John the Baptist is my first favorite. Elijah is my second favorite. Now this is after the famous story of when he went toe-to-toe with hundreds of prophets of Baal. And he brought down fire and, and, and swallowed up the whole altar. And it was full of water and all that stuff. This is right after that. Do we have that in 1 Kings? Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So what you need to know first, I said that up really bad. <laughs> what you need to know first is that there was a famine in the land, okay? <laughs> Sorry. And then you know like the story where the ravens bought him food? Okay, so there's still a famine. So now he's about to end it. So, and Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens drew back, drew black, grew black, sorry, and with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, we read this story. Now, you can think of two things in this story. My question to you is, what was Elijah praying about? He prayed seven times. What was he praying about? So here's two options for you. Let's get into this. So option number one, he didn't know what was happening, and that's why he was praying. He was saying, oh, God, I just told him there's going to be rain. Please bring rain. Please bring the rain, because I just told him there's going to be rain. That's option number one. Option number two is that he knew it was going to be rain. So he wasn't really praying. He already knew. He knew that on the seventh time, he knew if he prayed seven times, the cloud was going to show up. Now I want to let you know something. It's in between. I want to let you know something. I want us to look at the story of Elijah. This is the word of God for you today. I think God's calling us all to be like Elijah today. He wants you to hear his word, know what's going to happen, but pray until it does. I'm going to say it one more time. He wants you to know his word, 
believe it's going to happen, and then pray until it does. All right? That's what happened. Elijah knew what was going to happen. How did he know? Look at the very first line he said. He said, go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. How did he hear that sound of rain when there was a drought, when there was a famine? The Lord told him rain was coming. But let me tell you something. He didn't tell him when. He didn't tell him how much. He didn't tell him how. All he told him was, Elijah, say this. There is the sound of the rushing of rain. So I believe in my heart that when Elijah prayed, all he was praying was that promise over and over and over again. And all he was saying was, Lord, you're going to make it rain. Lord, you're going to make it rain. Lord, you're going to make it rain. I got news for you. He didn't know it's going to take seven times. But I believe in my heart today that Elijah would have stood there and prayed a thousand times until it rained. Because he knew it was going to rain. Even if he prayed the first time and the clouds showed up. And I want you to know something else. He, he didn't know what to look for. That's why he asked his servant to go look. He didn't say, stand there until you see a cloud the size of a man's hand and then come back. Because if Elijah knew that, he would have just told him what to look for. And he would have told him to stand out there until I do it the seventh time. He didn't know, but he kept praying because he knew it will, be, it will come. Guys, I named my sermon today, don't be surprised. Because I don't think God wants us to know everything, but he doesn't want us to be surprised. He doesn't want us to be like, oh, snap, God, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, shoot, I didn't know that was going to come. Like, like me walking up in my parents' house and 50 shoes be lying on the ground. Like I didn't know what was happening. God wants you to know that he's going to move on your behalf. But he doesn't need to tell you why. It's a beautiful picture. It's like, if you're a sports fan, it's like he goes up to you, you're playing basketball, and he tells you, when you step on the court, you will win. But I'm not going to tell you the score. I'm not going to tell you every play. I'm not going to tell you how to play. I'm not going to tell you who to pass it to, how to shoot, when to shoot, what to do. But all you need to know is if you step on the court, you will win. That's the greatest feeling ever. That's freedom in that, guys. You, can I tell you guys something? You feel like you want to know everything. Do you know how boring that is if God told you that? That's boring. That's, that's lame. If God was like, that's like, Someone printing up your itinerary for you and telling you what to do. He's like prints out his huge long scroll, hands it to you, and he's like, June 9th, go to service at, at 10.30. Scroll, 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 scroll. Go eat at this restaurant at 12.30. Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, you're going to be done at 2 o'clock. Then you're going to drive here. Scroll. Then you're going to meet this random person at this coffee shop. Scroll, scroll, scroll. That's boring. That's boring. You want someone planning your life like that? That's like a micromanager. You guys work for a manager like that? I hate that. God's not doing that to you. But I got news for you. He told you the end. He told you the end. He told you certain promises in his word. But he gets to fill in the rest, guys. There's a beauty in that. He doesn't tell you every single step. That's boring. But he tells you, if you play, you will win. If you step on the court, you will win. You will win. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to tell you I had to live this out. And I want to tell you the glory that comes with it. When I got called, when me and Anna got called into ministry two years ago at Lineage, I, I honestly told God, like, I can't go. I have no money. <laughs> like, you know my pharmacy school debt. I got no money. And uh, 
And uh, if you want me to borrow again for graduate school, you're crazy. And if you think I'm going to pay it off on a pastor's salary, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be in debt literally the rest of my life. Like that's financial suicide. And I say, God, you got to do something. You got to do something. Because my debt is so big. It's like, it's like over my head right now. And all God told me to do was pray. So then two years ago, if you guys remember, going back two years, we, we would fast during Lent for 40 days. So obviously, what, what do you think I fasted for? I fasted for financial breakthrough. Okay, so I fasted. Man, guys, you, you don't know me. I, I went hard. I gave up. I gave up. Okay, it sounds really silly, but you guys stay with me. I gave up fantasy basketball for God. Like, if you guys know me, like, I love fantasy basketball. Like, I broke friendships over fantasy basketball. Like, like I will win for anything. Like, I was so into fantasy basketball that when Anna was like, you play too much, I was like, fine. Just let me play. I'll give you all my winnings. I just want to win. Like, that's how intense I was. I would be like, oh, it's so bad, okay? So I had to give it up. Yeah, oh, glory. God knew. So I had to give it up. I gave that up. I gave up TV, guys. I love TV. Like, I love Netflix. Like, I will sit there for hours watching TV shows. I gave up fantasy basketball and TV for 40 days. And if you know, like, when Lent is, like, that's a really important time of the basketball season. I gave that up. All right? And guess what happened? Nothing. I'm telling you right now. I didn't make this up. There's no happy ending. Like, nothing happened. I was like, do you understand that is? I was like, dang, God. Is that for nothing? Is that for nothing? <laughs> so next year rolls around. <laughs> Land again. I was like, all right, God. I'm going to go harder this year. I'm going to give up fantasy basketball, TV, and meat. I love meat. Like, I hate vegetables. Every time we go to a restaurant, I don't even look at that part of the menu. Every time me and Anna go out, I don't even look at it. Every time Anna's like, oh, is there vegetables? I'm like, what? Oh, sorry. I, just, I don't even care if there's vegetables on the table. Like, I don't even care about that. I was like, God, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to give up meat too. I hate tofu. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Eating that for 40 days. Oh, my God. Help me. Guess what happened after the 40 days? Second time. Nothing. Nothing. Seriously. Nothing. I remember I sat there. I was like, God, this is so discouraging. I can't, two years now. It's like, am I doing something wrong? Do you know what God said to me? God said, God asked me a question when I was praying. He said, Jeremy, did I promise you that if you fasted, I would give you financial breakthrough? I said, no. He said, why'd you put your faith in that? He said, what, did, what does my word say when you pray to me? That's all he said to me. Then after that, I spent two weeks studying every Bible verse on prayer. Do you know what I realized what God said he would do when you pray? He says he would hear you. He would hold your request to his heart. He would give you grace and wisdom. Not, not what you want. Not an answer. No, really. He'll give you grace and wisdom. And he is near to the righteous who pray. That's what he said to me. He said, Jeremy, you held on to a promise that didn't exist. You put your faith in something that I never said. I didn't say if you fasted 40 days and gave up fantasy basketball and Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff and fresh off the boat that I would, that I, that, that, that I would give you financial breakthrough. He said, I didn't say that. You said that. 
You prayed the answer. You went into fasting saying, if I do this, God, you better do this. He said, I never said that. Don't you ever say something that I didn't say. I had to repent. I had to repent. Seriously, guys. I had to repent. That was wrong. God was faithful. See that? God was faithful. But I hoped in the wrong thing. I'm here to tell you guys today, don't make that mistake. Remember what God actually said. Don't read into the word more than what's there. Don't put your answer into the word of God. Remember what he says and hold on to things that he actually said. But I got news for you. The story does have a happy ending. So through that, so Lent ends around April. So I was like, God, okay, I did this twice. I'm sad now. I'm eating chicken and I'm sad, right? <laughs> and I said, you know what, God? Then I stumbled upon this story. And I said, God, I'm going to believe it's going to rain. I'm not going to tell you when, and I'm not going to tell you how you're going to provide financial breakthrough for me. But I'm going to believe that it will happen. Because you said that if I follow you, and you call me into full-time ministry, you will make a way. You will make a way for it to happen. It will happen somehow. But I'm not going to tell you when or how. And I said, all I'm going to do is choose to believe it will happen. You know, everyone around me was doubting. Everyone around me was like, I don't know, it's not going to happen. Like, like, like everything is going wrong. People were just like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know what I told them? Even my mom was like, it's not going to happen. Even my family was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't see how it's going to happen. Then fast forward in August of that year, I'm on my lunch break. I don't normally do this, okay, guys? The Lord told me, take out your phone and go on Zillow. I took out my phone. I went on Zillow. He said, look at your house. I searched up my house. When I saw the value, the projected value of my house, my jaw dropped. I don't know nothing about real estate. I'm being serious. I don't. But all I know is that the Lord doubled the value of our house, more than doubled our value of our house. And I heard the Lord say, that's my provision for you. Now, wait a second, it gets better. If you know how real estate works, value of a house is dependent upon the fair market value of the houses that are in that area. So when someone sells a house for a certain X amount of dollars, everyone else that's a similar size, similar location on the block, right, they will raise up in a similar value. So I said, what knucklehead bought that house for that price? So I looked it up. Someone indeed on my block did buy a house for that price, which was ridiculous. Do you know when it happened? It happened during Lent in April. Let me tell you something. God is faithful. And God heard my fasting, even when I did it wrong. He provided I'm being so serious. That's how you know he's good. He's like, you screwed that up, but I'm still giving it to you. That's how much he loves you. It happened during my fast. But see, because I wanted it a certain way, I thought it was going to happen a certain way. Let me tell you something. I'm super Asian, okay? Any Asian person will tell you you don't sell a house. Even, even the Christians in, it, it, that I talked to were like, why are you selling? That's so dumb. No, really. If you know anything about real estate, right, especially in the Bay Area, for what I bought it in 2009 during the recession, everyone told me, you're stupid. Why are you selling? You will never get that house again for that price. You're so stupid. Just keep it. Rent it out. Do something with it. Do something else with it. But 
See, but see, if God had told me that right away, I wouldn't have done it either. But God had to bring me to the point where I let go of how I was going to do it, the way in which I was going to do it. When I surrendered my fasting, when I surrendered my answer, when I surrendered the things part and stopped trying to put in the answer, then God said, now I'm going to show your answer. And you may not like it. And you know what? Me and Anna had to go all in. Because if you think about it, that, that's our only asset. That's my only asset. That's our only asset. And we're like, God, if we give this up, we have nothing. You know that, right? And God said, yeah, but you got me. He's, and I said, I have to then, God. So I did the stupidest thing on the planet, and I sold an appreciating asset that had equity in it all day long. Pretty dumb, huh? Well, I'm here to tell you today that me and Anna look at our lives right now. It's the greatest decision we ever made because God is faithful. God is faithful, guys. But I'm telling you today, don't make my mistake. Don't read into what God is saying when he didn't say it. Don't read into what you want to happen when he didn't promise it, guys. That's not what faith is. Faith is when you hold on to what he really said and only what he said. Look at the words that he gives you and hold on to that and nothing more but nothing less. All right, guys, can you bow your heads?